Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, let's grab them. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here, and uh, we're going to pick up uh, a subject from last week that we're entitling, How to Receive the Holy Ghost. How many are thankful that God has given us the gift of the Holy Ghost? I wonder if, if there's anybody here that could just uh, wave your hand if you remember the day that you received the Holy Ghost. Does anybody remember the day that you first received the Holy Ghost? And uh, the reason that, that anyone that you ever talk to who has the Holy Ghost, they can always vividly remember the day because there's something about when you experience the power of God for the very first time. It's an unforgettable experience. Can anybody testify to that? It's an unforgettable moment. I was only uh, seven years old when I first received the Holy Ghost. And uh, in fact, my daughter received the Holy Ghost not, not too long ago. And, uh, and she's seven years old. And, uh, and she'll remember that for the rest of her life. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, even though I was very young. And uh, my mother sitting here could testify that I needed a refilling many times after that. I needed a, I needed a second dose and a third dose and, a, and maybe 10 or 20 more after that, maybe a couple thousand. But it was an unforgettable experience. And by the way, uh, I, I do believe that uh, God can fill anybody with the Holy Ghost at any age, young, old, rich, poor. Whatever your background is, if you repent of your sins and if you're obedient to the gospel, God will fill you with his spirit. If you'll humble yourself and pray and cry out to God, God will do it. It's not a mystery. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not something you have to be intimidated by or afraid of. It's not strange. It's how God has decided to pour out his spirit and interact with us. Now, what we're talking about specifically in, uh, in this series, and, and you'll hear me do this a lot over the years, I've come back to this subject because this is an apostolic church. How many saw that on the sign when you drove up? This is apostolic tabernacle, and the reason that we've chosen to identify ourselves as apostolic is because we preach the apostles' doctrine. It was Peter who stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then he didn't stop there. A lot of people do stop there, but he didn't stop there. He said, and you shall look at the person beside you and say, you shall, you will, you're going, if you do those things, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now what we're talking about today is, is the initial evidence is in a theological sense. We, we sometimes say, I, I've noticed that. It sounds confusing to some people who haven't been raised around an apostolic church to say the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. But we're talking about that first sign. In other words, we might could say it this way. Uh, how do we know that someone has received the Holy Ghost? How do you know that? Well, we're going to look at it a little later. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But, the, but every time in Scripture... When a group of people or even one person, when they receive the Holy Ghost, the evidence of that, someone said the evidence, if you go to a trial, they have to show evidence to prove that something happened. 
The evidence that they received the Holy Ghost every time in Scripture is that they spoke with other tongues. They spoke with other tongues. That was always the evidence. And so what the, the Holy Ghost, or sometimes the Apostle Paul uses it interchangeably, uh, the Holy Spirit. How many understand that we're talking about the same thing when we say the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit? Uh, they're interchangeable uh, words there. And uh, there are other workings. In other words, speaking in other tongues is not the only evidence. Can you say praise the Lord? In other words, if you speak in tongues and then you lie on Monday, something's wrong. So speaking in tongues is not the only. In fact, speaking in tongues doesn't uh, isn't proof that you're necessarily spiritual and all that you ought to be. By the way, you can fake speaking in tongues. Is that okay to say? That's true. You can fake a lot of things. That doesn't make the real thing not real anymore. That just makes you a fake. You know, all the fakes in the world, there are millions and trillions of dollars worth of fake paintings, fake Rembrandts, fake diamonds. There's millions and billions. In fact, all of the fake uh, $100 bills that are being circulated throughout uh, the United States economy. Did you know that cheapens the economy? It cheapens the value of certain things. But can I just tell you something? All of the fake $100 bills out there do not, do not devalue a real $100 bill. If you have a real $100 bill in your pocket, it's still the real thing. All of the fake tongue talkers in the world will not cheapen the gift and the reality of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's in the Bible. Praise God. And, and, uh, and so it's what we sometimes say, what we sometimes say is initial. And what we mean by that is it's the first evidence. Someone said the first it's the first. Now, there needs to be evidences or sometimes what the Apostle Paul talked about is the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know those are a work of the Spirit? Those are evidence. And so you need to have love. You need to have joy. You need to have peace. You need to have long-suffering. Someone said, praise the Lord. You need all of those things. You need integrity. You need honesty. You need, uh, you need to walk in righteousness and holiness and sanctification and all of those things. But the initial evidence will always be speaking in other tongues. All right. Now I'm going to give you an example, and I know I cringe. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about it this week as an example because more and more when I talk to people about the Holy Ghost and give Bible studies, I, I sense confusion here on, uh, on the initial evidence. Maybe it's the way we've been phrasing it. You know, uh, language changes, culture, the expressions that we use shift. And so some people, that sounds strange to them. But I was thinking about, and this is a very imperfect example, but if you buy a, uh, a brand new car, uh, if you buy a brand new Mercedes or a Cadillac or something like that, uh, the, one of the first signs that you'll know that it has been filled with gas. Is this okay? Now, I know this is a terrible illustration, but I'm going to use it anyway. Because uh, I think it might help somebody. Now, when you go, you can have a nice car. You can get in it and all of these things. But if you turn the ignition, the way that you know that it's been filled is you're going to hear a sound of that initial roar of the engine. Has anybody ever had the opportunity to sit inside a real sports car? The other day, I, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, he owns a, a very nice, uh, I, and I'm not even going to try to say it because... Uh, I'll mispronounce it. It's a foreign car. 
And uh, if he heard it, he'd be offended that I couldn't pronounce it right. But when they turn it on, that engine just roars. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's powerful. And, uh, it, and it's exciting when you first hear that engine roar. Well, you know that it's been filled by that initial sound. That's not the only evidence. When you push the gas, it's going to go. It's going to get you to destinations. It's going to empower you to go places. Did you know that the Holy Ghost will empower you to overcome sin? The Holy Ghost will empower you uh, to, to live a life of holiness, to live a life that, where you don't have to keep uh, stumbling and falling. Now, we'll stumble, but you know the Holy Ghost can enable you to walk in victory. How many want to walk in deliverance? Did you know that God can deliver you? Oh, I wish somebody would testify to that this morning. God can set you free. God can empower you. You don't have to be enslaved by the chains of sin. And you don't have to get beat up by the devil every morning. You can wake up, shake your fist in the devil's face, and say, I'm thankful to be blood-bought and full of the Holy Ghost. That is the will of God for your life. It's not God's will that you would live a weak, powerless life that's joyless and full of failings. God wants you to be more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Praise God. God wants you to have joy in all of these things. And so the Holy Ghost empowers you. And so the initial evidence, the way that God instituted it. Did you know that God can, why would that be? I've had people say, did you know that God can design things any way that he wants to design things? If God wanted the initial evidence of, spe- of, the, of the infilling of the Holy Ghost to be anything, he could have chosen anything. But God chose that the initial evidence would be speaking in other tongues. How many want to do it the way God said to do it? I want to do it the way God said to do it. I was thinking the other day, I, I may have shared this story uh, I, with some of you, but I know there's many here that haven't heard it. And my wife reminded me of it the other day. And, uh, and I had forgotten about it, but I'm, I'm about a year older than my wife, and, uh, and we grew up, we didn't know each other as children, but we didn't live too terribly far. We were kind of in the same region of, of the country, and uh, we both, Mom, I don't know if you remember this or not, but my wife and I both received the Holy Ghost for the very first time on Mother's Day, on Mother's Day. And so it's easy for me to remember because every Mother's Day, I remember that's, that's the anniversary of the day that I first received the Holy Ghost. And if I'm telling this right, my wife was eight when she first received the Holy Ghost on Mother's Day. I was seven when I received the Holy Ghost on Mother's Day. That means that we received the Holy Ghost on the exact same day. Well, I think that's sweet anyway. We did, and we didn't even know each other, and we didn't even hear that story. Did you know that God orders your steps? Did you know that God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path? Can I encourage somebody today? God has a plan for your future. God has his hand on your life, but you need to get as close to the things of God as you can, and you certainly need his spirit dwelling inside of you. I wouldn't want to live in this dark world without God's spirit. I wouldn't want to have to try to overcome the filth of this world without God's spirit empowering me. It's the greatest gift that God could ever get. Okay, now let's look at, uh, let's look at the prophecies. Last week, this is where we left off. Um, and so before we get to the how, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the why. Why do we need the Holy Ghost? And, 
the simple answer is this. The Holy Ghost is an essential part of God's plan of salvation. Do I, you may ask, do I need the Holy Ghost to be saved? Yes, you need the Holy Ghost to be saved. Let me say that again. You need the Holy Ghost to be saved. It's not an elective it's not just an added bonus. The, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is a vital part of the plan of salvation. It's not just something that you can say, well, uh, I was baptized, and, uh, and so if I want the Holy Ghost to have a little bit extra, that'd be, no, no, no. The Holy Ghost is a vital part of God's plan of salvation. The Holy Ghost isn't just for some super spiritual Uh, extra good Christians who just want to go the extra mile. The Holy Ghost is for everyone. It's for you. It's for your children and your children's children, Peter said. And to as many, he said, as are far off. You know, he was talking about future generations. He was talking not only about future generations, but he was talking about the whole world. In other words, the Holy Ghost isn't just for this church here at Apostolic Tabernacle. It's not just for a group of people over there. It's for every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever been born and that is ever going to be born, no matter where they live, no matter what color their skin is, no matter how much money they have. The Holy Ghost is no respecter of persons. You can't earn it. You can't can't be good enough to give it it is God's gift to you and it's for everybody and it's not an elective it is mandatory it is part of God's plan notice I didn't say it's part of brother Ryan's plan I didn't make the plan I didn't put it together I didn't fling the stars into space I didn't pour uh, I didn't pour out the salt water in the oceans I didn't carve the mountains with my hand I didn't speak the worlds into existence how many know that's the God that we serve God spoke and there was light God can speak and cancer is gone and God instituted that we would be filled with his spirit and the evidence would be speaking in other tongues. Everyone said, praise the Lord. And so it's a vital part of God's plan of salvation. Now, last week we mentioned, it was kind of as we were closing, that the Holy Ghost uh, was not first spoken of in the book of Acts or uh, in the Gospels. A lot of people uh, believe that the Holy Ghost was first mentioned in the New Testament. That's not true. The Holy Ghost was spoken of and prophesied of several times in the Old Testament. And so, uh, we need to understand that when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, everyone said the day of Pentecost, you can find that story. We'll look at that later in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. It wasn't something that God just decided to do right then and there. He could have. How I many know God could have done that? But that's not what was happening. This had been a part of God's plan uh, ever since ever since the fall. And so we see that played out uh, in, in the word of God. And the fact that the Holy Ghost continues to be poured out today. Look at your neighbor and say today. God is pouring out his spirit all around the world today. All over the world. There will be thousands, maybe. I, I, there's no way for me to speculate. But there are people all over the world today receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And, and, there's some, and there's some other folks that are coming back and getting a good, very necessary refilling of the Holy Ghost. 
How many know that'd be a good thing once in a while? So the Holy Ghost is con- it continues to be poured out, not just in Georgia, not just in the United States. In fact, if we wanted to be honest, uh, the United States, and, and I love my country, I'm patriotic, uh, I bleed red, white, and blue, and all of those things. And so I, I don't say this uh, as an outsider, I say this as an insider who loves my country. But the United States has become so materialistic that we've gotten to a place where many people, rather than seeking God, they're seeking fame and fortune. They're seeking all kinds of other things. They're lusting for this and that. And they're trying to fill the void with all kinds of materialistic things. And how many know that that does not work? It may mask the pain for a little while, but the pain will eventually come back and it will come back stronger than ever. That's why suicide rates are on the rise. I, I know I'm depressing some of you, but I'm just going to I'm just going to talk real to you. Is that OK? That's why people cannot understand why millionaires and billionaires are committing suicide. I'll tell you why, because all the money in the world cannot fill the void. You need God's spirit. God's spirit is what fills the void, that emptiness in your spirit. And so it's for everybody. And and the Bible talked about it time and time again. And so every time that someone receives the Holy Ghost, they become a part of the thread of Bible prophecy. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become a part of prophecy. And that's a powerful thing. You're connected to something that's bigger than you are. Did you know that God's spirit is bigger than you are? The things of God, the word of God. Uh, I I know that we live in a culture where we we kind of promote ourselves and and, uh, we live in a very self-promoting culture. That's what all of these reality shows are. Reality shows are a reflection of a narcissistic culture that we're, we're, we're just caught up with, uh, with just, and even, even social media, and I'm not preaching against social media, I'm on it, I think you can use it for good, but even social media can be a very narcissistic thing where you're self-promoting constantly, and listen, we don't need to promote ourselves, we need to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to let the world know that they need God's spirit, that it's God's spirit that will make the difference in their life. And so you become a thread of Bible prophecy. And last week we look at Joel 2 and 28. And it, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon a few select people, upon the rich, uh, upon uh, people who are extra spiritual and want to go the extra mile. No, no, upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. We need, by the way, a revival of young men who will stand up and have a vision for what God has for the future. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Now, I want you to understand when it talks about servants and women, by the way, the Bible was the first progressive book. God said, I'm not any respecter person. This is going to be in a time when women were sometimes pressed down and, and, uh, and there was uh, racial divides. Did you know there were a lot of racial divides in the day that Jesus came? And in all, in all of those times, uh, the word of God says, I'm, I'm going to be no respecter of persons. This isn't just going to be for a certain set of people. This is going to be for men and women and everybody. 
I think that's a wonderful thing, by the way. And then Ezekiel, just to name a few. I know we're repeating here. This is a little review. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Or in other words, I'll give you a tender heart. That might be a translation that you could have. By the way, if you've ever known someone who received the Holy Ghost. In fact, one of the, one of the most powerful things... I've seen this in my life. We could all testify. We all have stories and testimonies, but I've known people who were uh, hardened drug dealers. I mean, people, I've known people who every third word out of their mouth was a vile cuss word. I mean, a vile cuss word. And I've known people who were so bound with, with addiction. I mean, things that you, you, we couldn't even talk about here without it being inappropriate. But I've seen people that they came to an altar, repented of their sins, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And from that moment forward, they were completely changed. I've seen people who left, their, uh, who left drugs on the altar. I was thinking about it this morning. A young man from Natchez. Uh, who, when I was the youth pastor there, he came and he threw his cigarettes and he threw his alcohol and he threw, uh, he threw his gangster rap on, on the altar and he said, I'm through with this lifestyle. God's changed me and he walked away and he's never looked back. That's the power of what the Holy Ghost can do. The Holy Ghost will take your old, stony, carnal, cold heart of flesh. It'll take a husband who's mean and, 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 who is, and who has a mean spirit towards his children, unloving towards his wife. And when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of him, it can change him and give him a tender heart of flesh. We need the Holy. You know, you know how we're going to transform America? It's not going to be from the White House. It's going to be at an altar where the Holy Ghost is being poured out. It'll change marriages. It'll change teenagers. You want to change the suicide epidemic? Get the Holy Ghost stirred up in your city. You want to change the public school system? Get the Holy Ghost poured out on young people. You want to change the elderly? Get them full of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost if we're going to see cultural change. If we're going to see any kind of change, it's going to come from the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's why we look to God's Spirit. That's why we covet God's spirit. That's why we even come together. Uh, one of the many reasons, but one of the main reasons we come together on Sundays is because we need to encourage one another to stir up the gift that is within us. If you have the Holy Ghost, you don't need to let it flicker and die. You need to gather together with God's people every single time that you can and allow the flame to burn brightly inside of you. That's why we clap our hands, because we're thankful for the Holy Ghost. That's why we sometimes dance and shout, because we're thankful for the Holy Ghost. That's why we get excited when we sing, because we're thankful for the Holy Ghost. We can't contain it. We can't stop it. It's bigger than we are, and it overflows sometimes. That's why we don't have boring church at Apostolic Tech. If you want to have boring church, there's a lot of things you can do. In fact, you don't have to go to church to be bored. You can stay home and twiddle your thumbs and all of those things. But when apostolics come to church, we get excited because we have the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And there's a lot of other reasons too. But that, in my book, that's just about number one in my book is that I'm thankful that I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And then sometimes I come. Because uh, maybe I'm running a little low and I say, Lord, I need a refreshing. I need a strengthening. That's all right. Don't ever, don't ever become too proud to where you can't come into the house of God. Listen, 
I'm a preacher, and uh, there are many times when I, I step into the church house, and I'm saying in my spirit, Lord, I need, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you how many times I get ready to preach. I say, Lord, I'm about to have to deliver your word. It's a burden that I can barely carry. I, I can't even hardly contain this word. And I need, I'm feeling weak in my body. I'm feeling weak in my spirit. You know what? You know, it's okay to do that. You know what you're doing? You're surrendering yourself to God. It's okay to admit that you can't. This, the Christianity is not a humanistic doctrine. This isn't a self-help philosophy where, where we just, uh, uh, you know, if you just get mind over matter, you just power through. That's a, that's a worldly concept. A biblical concept is I am weak, but he is strong. Sometimes when I hear uh, preachers, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, what I call pop preachers. They kind of preach pop theology. And uh, many times it just kind of devolves into kind of a Dr. Phil Oprah kind of thing where, you know, if you'll just if you'll just get your mind just like this and if you just, uh, you know, and if you just real just say to yourself, I'm awesome. And then you no no no, don't do that. Say God is awesome. Say, I need your spirit, Lord. I realize that I can't make it without you, Lord. That's the attitude that the Bible teaches us to have is that we lean on Jesus That's why we sing that song. We sang it not too long ago. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. You know, because our emotions change. Did you know people change? You know, if you're just leaning on your own strength, if you're just leaning on your own tenacity and uh, and your willpower, there's going to come a day when you lose your willpower. There's going to come a moment where you're not mentally strong. If you're leaning on your physical strength, there's going to come a day if the Lord tarries where sickness invades your body and you're going to feel weak and, and, uh, and you're going to have to cry out to Jesus and you're not going to be able to lean to your own strength. That's the beauty of what it means to be a child of God. We have a loving heavenly father that we can turn to when we lose our mind. Sometimes we lose our mind. Did you know that? I'm using the expression right now, but sometimes, sometimes people just kind of every once. I don't care who you are. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how many times you pray each day. There's going to come a time where you're not in your right mind and you're going to need God's spirit empowering you. To bring you back to where you need to be. Praise God. All right. So we've looked at, uh, <clears throat> we've looked at the, some of the prophecies from the Old Testament. Let's look at verse 27. We stopped there. God speaking. He said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. In other words, if you want to walk, if you want to walk in holiness, if you want to be able to overcome sin... God is saying, I'm putting my spirit within you to enable you to do that. It's God's spirit that does that. So this tags in nicely with what Jesus said in the gospel of John, beginning in chapter 14 and verse 24. In this passage, Jesus begins to prophesy about the coming of the promise. He's he's prophesying about what was going to happen in Acts chapter 1 and 2 in the book of Acts. And he refers to the Holy Ghost as he introduces a new concept of the Holy Ghost. It's one of my favorite descriptions of the Holy Ghost. And he calls it the comforter. Look at the person beside you and say the comforter. So the Holy Ghost is not, over, not only empowers us, but it's, it's a comforter to us. So let's look at John 14 and 24. This is Jesus speaking. 
He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Keepeth not my sayings. So let what Jesus just said sink into your thinking for a moment. He said, people who don't love me don't keep my sayings. Earlier in verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we're finding that God does care about how we live uh, and uh, he deeply cares. And because God knows that we can't do it on our own, he's going to give us a gift that is more valuable than all the money, all the gold, all the silver, all the fame, all the popularity, all the power. Jesus here is prophesying that a gift is going to be given that is extremely valuable. He said this, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. So he says this, right now I'm with you. Do you understand? This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, right now I'm here with you. And because I'm physically here with you, you have direct access to my words. Jesus is saying, I'm right here. You can talk to me. And you have access to me. You can touch me. I, I, can, I can lay hands on you and heal you. I, I, I can lay hands on, on the blind and they'll receive sight. I, I, can, take, uh, I can take bread and, and a, a couple little fishes and I can feed a multitude of hungry people. Jesus said, I'm here. I can do all of those things. I, I can bring peace. I can speak into a storm. How many remember that? You can be in a little tiny fish, fishing vessel and a storm can begin to shake your atmosphere and I can stand up and say, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves have to obey me. The, the seas have to be calm when I speak, but there's going to be a day when I'm not going to be here physically with you as a man as God manifests in the flesh. And he says this in verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. What's his name? Praise God. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. And I want us to jump forward Two chapters to John 16 and verse 7, where Jesus continues this same subject. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, someone said the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove. That's just a word that means to convict. The world of sin. Did you know that the, one of the Holy Ghost's primary roles in the world today is to convict a heart of sin? Long before you receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will convict your heart of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So when the Comforter comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me, uh, I'm running out of time here. Let me make a quick, a quick oneness point. From John 14 and 16, this is Jesus again. And he said this, he said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Here this is again, this theme of the Holy Ghost being the comforter, that he may abide with you forever. How many know that when you receive the Holy Ghost, it'll abide with you? Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Someone said in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come 
to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, look at where he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus is saying uh, he's not making a distinction. Uh, Some people try to separate the Holy Ghost as another person in the Godhead. But Jesus made it clear, I'm going to come to you. I am the comforter that's going to come to you. How many know that Jesus is all these three in one? He's God the Father. He's Jesus the Son. He's the Holy Ghost. All these three in one. Praise God. Praise God. It'll be in you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and lift up our hands. I'm out of time. Let's lift up our hands and let's thank the Lord for the Holy Ghost. We didn't even get to the how to receive it, but let me just cut to the chase and tell you, if you want the Holy Ghost, it's not hard. All you got to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. Lord, I, I, I want to walk with you. I love you. you. Begin to worship him. Begin to magnify him. And if you desire it, if you ask him for it, and you'll begin to cry out to him, God will fill you. Let's thank him for the Holy Ghost. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what we feel here this morning. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give the gift of the Holy Ghost to everyone under the sound of my voice. But not only that, I pray that there would be thousands, millions of people, not only in Georgia, but around the world today, that would experience the gift and the power the life-changing comfort, and the peace of the Holy Ghost for the very first time today. Lord, I pray that backsliders would come home, Lord, all around the world today, and that you would pour out your spirit, God. We love you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.